Hello, Mech Warriors, and welcome to the Mech Bay, where we fix your mech and fix your game. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Episode 9 of the Mech Bay Podcast, your number one source for everything casual up to competitive tabletop Battletech content. I'm your host, the always overheating Josh. Our special guests today are Kurt. Hey, thanks for having me here. To... Good to have you. And we also have Denim. What's going on, Denim? Hey, man. Good to be back. Thank you again. Yeah, so... So today is going to be part one of our Lost Tech and Found episode, where we talk about all the new toys that came out of the Helm Memory Core and our thoughts on using them on the table. This episode's going to essentially be the new weapons, the ballistic weapons, the energy weapons, and the missile weapons. And part two will cover all the new equipment, like heat sinks, XL engines, and armor. But first, let's do our hobby progress and news. Today's hobby progress was sponsored by Aries Games and Miniatures, Get your hobby on at garysgamesandminis.com. So, Kurt, what have you been up to lately? I've been putting together some models from Iron Wind. I uh, just finished a Penetrator, a Hollander, and a Blackjack Omni. I, I love the Hollander. I mean, before we get to mine, I, I just I got a mini of one of those a few years back, and I love that thing. Yeah, hopefully soon it'll be able to come out and uh, deliver some slugs to everybody. Fantastic. What uh? What regiments are these going into? Uh, they're go all three are going into my Davians. Denim, what about you? What have you been up to since you were on last? I've been painting spots on Smoke Jaguar mechs. I I picked the uh, the Alpha Galaxy to do my Kickstarter mechs with, and I'm making at least a trinary of these. And I'm painting individual little Jaguar spots on each one, and it is maddening. I, I think I made a mistake. But a happy mistake, right? Like oh, a Bob yeah. Ross style mistake. If it looks if it ends up looking as good as I want it to, then it will be worth it. But right now I'm in that I'm in that uh, it's it's dark. It's very dark. Dark um, as in you're painting dark spots on No, dark. as in as in I am in a dark place. <laughs> but I see the light. Also been printing out the Borealis dropship from uh, Steel Warrior Studios. It's the um, the 3D model dropship that you can actually put mechs in. It's um it's a mech scale leopardish style dropship. It's going to look really good on the table. There, there's no way that you'd be able to use it on the map as a, as a gaming piece, but um but but for some uh, eye candy at the table, it's it's going to look really nice. Would make a great thing for an, an objective game, maybe a. Uh crash dropship scenario oh yes also as a prize for a tournament i think that would uh, that would work out really well i finally framed and hung up a lot of my kickstarter posters uh they look fantastic on the wall and i got my first COVID shot hey congratulations yeah no kidding can't wait to get back there on the tables again oh i've also been uh running some of the mission series on tabletop simulator uh, that's going out actually really, really well right now. Um, everyone's finally getting into the to the swing of virtual dice, and uh, and it's working out. Still, just missing the regular ones, though. I bet it just makes me want to play face to face more. I mean, it just reminds me how much fun this game is when you're around an actual table with other people. But um, you know, it's a good stopgap. Yeah, that that was the main reason why I couldn't do a lot of the Mega Mech stuff after like once everything shut down. I was like, cool, well play on Mega Mech, but after 
everything kept going on about a year. I mean, it just hits you differently and then it just makes you sad. <laughs> just a little. But, uh, you know, the end is coming. And when it does, man, I'm ready for some games. Sounds good. So for my hobby progress, I finally tracked down a single spray can of black primer, which I've gone to like three stores in the last three months looking for one. So now I can finally prime the rest of my clan invasion Kickstarter, Max. I know it's not it's not the big news that everyone wants, but Hey, progress is progress. It was it was the one hold up. I was like, I can't paint if because I can't prime. And now that I have black primer, because I bought I bought what I thought was black and was actually like gunmetal. And you don't know how long I sat thinking I could paint white over gunmetal oh, and just make it look man. good. I will paint white over black and make it look good, but I won't do it white over gunmetal. Uh, unless you're going for some advanced chipping effect. I I That's how long I sat there. And I was like, well, if I do heavy chipping and weathering, it might look good. And then I decided, no, no. Do what you've been doing. You're you're mastering that. Don't don't reinvent the wheel. Cause it'll look you'll be able to see that on the table if I do. So I've got Dustin chained in the basement of the mech lab right now, and he's printing me up some 3D terrain also from Steel Warrior Studios. I think we settled on a bunch of like the Comstar themed ones for me to make a display board for. So when I want to travel around and show off the mechs at stores and whatnot when everything reopens, rather than keep them in a little cardboard case or something i can actually just put it out on the table show everything that i'm gonna play with that sounds amazing yeah like it's always nice when you see like the warhammer ones like they do it for like the painting and everything but i was like i can i can do that with BattleTech and make it look real good i can't wait to see it in person neither can i <laughs> but that'll be a in the months coming projects because like i said i'm still not expecting to go out anywhere in the next couple months, but it's something to work on for now. All right. In Battletech news, we had the release of shrapnel issue four. I have not read any of the shrapnel issues yet. They're on my backlog. Oh, I love the idea of the shrapnel magazines. Uh, I've read the first one. I own all four of them and I'm totally subscribing to them when, uh, when the, I think this is the last free one from the Kickstarter. Um, Really? Yeah, and then they're going to a subscription, a yearly subscription model, and I am all about that. Uh, the whole, the whole short story collections and, and articles that uh, sound like you're inside the universe. The, BattleTech has almost always had a a uh, semi yearly magazine, uh, and, and I missed it for a long time. So I'm super happy that they have made a return, and um, and I'm excited to to collect them all. No, it sounds great. So are they like all lore or are they? It's it's a mix. Um, there's a lot of just short stories from different periods. Uh, there are some weapon, like new weapon articles. You know, hey, here's a new weapon that we came up with. Uh, here's a new piece of equipment. Um, some of them are stories or advertisements that are as if you are in the universe uh, reading it yourself. It's just just a lot of different things. But it's a great place for new writers to submit their own short stories and and get them published. I think one of my shining moments was in college when uh, I submitted a, an article for a for a football themed uh, BattleTech game uh, to to one of the magazines, and it got published in there, which was really funny because I know nothing about football, 
and I know what BattleTech is. And, and so in my in my imagination, I'm like, well, this is how it would work. And and they loved it. So it got published in one of the uh, MechForce Quarterly magazines. I got paid and everything. No, oh, that sounds awesome. I mean, we all do our little fan projects, and it's a bright day when it gets recognized officially. It's fantastic. We also got some Kickstarter news on Wave 2. Kurt, what are the deadlines looking like now? The factory did finally make their deadline, the new deadline for the end of the month. That's right, Kurt. It was supposed to be the, by the 31st, and they actually made it by the 30th, right? Yeah. They they beat their delay after the Chinese New Year. But then I guess uh, they giveth and they taketh away, because then we got uh, the Suez Canal and all the shipping delays. So yeah, they confirmed uh, now it's looking like maybe June. That's what I hear as well. Uh, mid Early to mid-June is when they will start shipping. Uh, start shipping for the U.S. Um, they're not sure exactly about uh, non-U.S. shipments because some of those weren't affected by the Suez Canal whole thing, and others definitely were. Instead of the U.S. getting everything first and then other overseas people getting them all after, it may actually be a, a slightly changed schedule this time. Wasn't the fulfillment center in Florida for Wave 1? Yes, yes, it was. Yeah, well, I've just seen online where people are asking, well, why can't they just ship it across the Pacific? Why, why not? Well, let's let's do that next time. <laughs> <laughs> so some other Battletech news is Ironwind Metals raised the prices for the first time in several years on their products, specifically their battle mech and Battletech products. Wasn't that because of the general increase in the price of the materials? Like they're not just arbitrarily raising these things for, for more profit, but it, but just because they're metals that, they make these things have gotten more expensive as well, right? Yeah. Like check the price of 10. It's like doubled in the last year. Yeah. It's crazy. So I, I really think that this increase, uh, I, I think they've held it off for quite a while and it's something that they had, that it was inevitable. And I'm surprised it hasn't happened before. If you look at some other companies like games workshop, where they increase significantly over like every five years, there's no sales or there's no way to get wholesale. We're still pretty lucky with Ironwind Metals. So I looked it up and it was only, they announced only around a 9% price increase. And I took a screenshot of the Atlas D3, the Gatling gun one, essentially. And that was $17.95 before, and it's $19.95 now. So I don't find that horrible. That's not, no, that's not painful no. in the grand scheme. Not in comparison. Yeah, I think the Aries, like the $50 super heavy mix only went up from 50 to like 54 or 55. So if you were getting $50 worth of mech, now you're just having to put on a little bit extra. Inflation. Yeah. All right, that's a good time to take a little bit of a break and hear a word from our sponsors. I have one question for you. Are you ready? Are you ready for this Sunday night when Solaris champion Matt Balcombe defends his title in the Solaris Super Slam? Say goodbye to anyone standing in Matt Balcombe's way. We take some six mechs and a steel stadium shoots and ladder smash in the Solaris Super Slam as Matt Balcombe fights his way to the top in his Battle Master. Right now, you can own this awesome pay per view hollow disc for just $59.99. Call now and receive not one, but two extra hollow discs of Matt Balcom's Rise to the Top and Highlights in the Arena. 
Today's segment is sponsored by Fortress Miniatures and Games, where you can pick up individual plastic mechs, professionally painted lances, and new Hex City terrain to fill your tabletop needs. Check them out at FortressMiniaturesAndGames.com. All right, so the year is 3038, and a bunch of ragtag mercenaries found an old hard drive laying around after beating off some communications network personnel. And lo and behold, we can now upgrade our mechs again like it was the Star League. The big question on why you would want to upgrade your mechs with Lost Tech from the Star League for regular 3025 games into, quote, 3039, or some might even say 3049. Denim, why would you advance the tech level? More toys equals uh, renewed interest, plus more materials that can be deployed. You know, for, for a hobbyist point of view, it's always good to not let your game get stagnant. You don't have to have a lot of things, but but every now and again, just a, a trickle of new things really keeps the interest up. Plus, you know, we're playing this game Battletech and we want it to do well. And the people who own Battletech, they, they are running a business. And it's always good business to keep people coming back and buying more things. So new equipment means new products that are developed, printed, sold. And, and that's that's good for everybody. In essence, that's the whole story of the timeline progression. New technology equals new mechs and stuff and new products. Exactly. I think it's essential, um, essential business-wise, but I also think it's essential for, for us. I and, and my brothers, uh, my friends, we like to play a lot of um, Battletech like using campaign settings or, or uh, RPGs. And if you don't do that, then things do become stagnant. Uh, a new a new level of equipment, a new weapon, a new piece of technology can really spark a good story or a memorable mission. It's just it's just good. I, I see no downside to adding more equipment to a gaming system at all. What about you, Kurt? Why would you add a lost tech into your thirty twenty five games? It can definitely shake up the meta. It can definitely refresh some of those designs. We, we've all looked at some of those laser boats and some of them or the autocannon mechs and we're just, it needs something more to make it work. And some of these upgrades help, help those start ticking. Yeah, I like it for the ability to kind of add in new technology, of course, and it really does breathe fresh air into old variants. Something that you think you might have mastered might completely change if you throw one or two new pieces of technology onto it and that really improves your ability to see the game at a higher level now joshua i do play with a lot of older gentlemen and um some of them do not like any of the new stuff Uh, i believe we call them the grognards but not in a derogatory term nope absolutely not no um and they're they're proud of it um they have patches and everything but uh but that's also the nice thing about battletech is that is that everything is separated into, into eras? You know, they they state at the you know when they play, they only play in the thirty twenty five era, and that's that's great because you look at the book, and here's thirty twenty five tech, and here's the equipment list that you get for that, and they can, you know, they can play the way that they want to play, and uh, you can play the way you you want to play, and it's separated in a nice way where we can do that. So once again, I see no downside to uh to expanding the equipment library i mean if your group doesn't want to move past 3025 there's nothing wrong with that if as long as you're happy with that but it really does 
change everything up. And like, if you have that favorite mech that just completely gets improved or becomes a whole different, another beast on the tabletop, it is kind of nice to try it out and take it for a spin once in a while. The way I always kind of headcanon it is everything that you would see in the Helm Memory Core, it was already there in Star League. So you could always just say, well, this is my lost tech. Found it laying in a garage that I bought the key for at a you know garage sale, essentially. Yeah, one of my one of my uh, role playing games, they they almost literally did that underneath the tarp was was a um, like a wasp lam, uh, and and that was great until we smashed it. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was exactly that way. Well, it, it was just laying there. <laughs> and considering I'm the pretty like hardcore onto the Comstar plane, there's always some cache of do not touch, don't look under the curtain mechs laying around. So they exist. They're just not there out on the battlefield in the daily news. Exactly. Like for for real that uh, Comstar has these huge caches all over the inner sphere. And, you know, what's to say somebody doesn't just stumble upon one of those every now and again. Now, the fun part of that campaign is Comstar trying to hush that party up and what kind of uh, what kind of missions ensue from that. And as we saw in the Harebrained Schemes Battletech on the computer, they added in Lost Tech after just having regular 3025 introductory technology. That didn't completely break the game. It just kind of improved the flavor. True. So we're going to be going through all the Lost Tech that you can upgrade your mechs with to bring back that Star League feel. We're going to be comparing it to its essentially introductory technology equivalent We're going to be discussing whether it's an upgrade, a side grade, a downgrade, the best way to use it. So we're going to be not afraid to get technical. We're going to be talking weight savings, critical slots, heat, ammunition, and anything else we can think of. So let's start out with what I considered one of the worst weapons in introductory technology, but it's improved cousin, the Ultra Auto Cannon 5. So what does the Ultra Auto Cannon 5 do that the versus the Auto Cannon 5? It's quite nice. It actually increases the range. Um, so instead of the old AC5 going out to 18 hexes, this is going out to 20. Not a lot, but it does help some of the range bands compare more to uh, LRMs. The other big thing is you can elect to fire it twice, but at the uh, the risk of it possibly jamming for the rest of the game. And then it's treated as a uh, cluster two weapon, similar to an SRM two. What do you think about it, Denim? Oh, I definitely think that this is a solid candidate for, for the title side grade. It's one of those weapons that uh, you can swap it out for the original one. Um, but it has, you know, some advantages, but definitely some game balancing disadvantages to, to offset that. Therefore, if you're running a mech that has an ultra auto cannon against a mech that has a regular auto cannon, neither side really has an advantage per se. Um, you know, one might have its its uh, uses in in a certain type of fight, whereas the other one doesn't. But at the end of the day, you're not going to be you know one side does not have a clear advantage is what I'm trying to say. For one extra ton of weapon, you're getting the chance to do twice as much damage now statistically you won't do twice as much you you'll still be doing one shot most of the time 
and also the chance for it to jam permanently for the rest of the match and do zero damage from there on out. Yeah, that that's a big downside that a lot of players don't like about it, especially considering uh, late, even later weapons have the capability to unjam. But if I have a ton, when we get to some of our other uh, new technology, if I can free up a ton somewhere and I have an AC5 already, yeah, I'll certainly use that ton to upgrade. I, I like options myself. So I tend to use the Ultra AC5 over a regular autocannon. I, see, I just keep calling it autocannon because when I began playing, that's all it was. So in that case, the AC5 and the Ultra AC5, it, it is... It is a nice thing to see. You know, that, that weapon needed some love. Um, but I like the option of firing two shots when I feel I need to. So I will also, just like you said, um, if I've got an extra ton and I don't know what to do with it, I've got, you know, my mech is heat neutral, I will definitely upgrade it. At worst case, you're going to go through your ammo twice as fast. But in the best case, you will hit twice with five damage and... For one extra ton, five extra damage is a very worthwhile advantage. And when it jams on your very first shot, it always makes a good story. Honestly, I've never fired mine because I've never had it jam at long range. If I'm firing at long range, I've always fired it single shot. So that that first shot of the game is never going to jam for me. All right, so... Continuing on in the ballistic section, we have the LBX, LB10X. This is probably what I would consider the biggest, best upgrade of all of these weapons. It has less weight, uses less space, uses less heat, gives you multiple ammo types. I mean, this longer range, this weapon is A++++. It, it almost seems too good to be true. I'm not sure any time... When I would ever pick a regular autocannon 10 over the LB10X, even if it's only got one ton of ammo and I'm only going to fire a solid uh, a solid round, I would always take that just to save the weight and the space. I guess I guess the only exception to that would be if I'm running a game where money is tight and I'm actually you know bookkeeping and keeping track of of money to design and build a mech. I'm not sure how much more expensive the LB-10X is, but that would be the only reason that I would not ever upgrade every weapon or AC-10 to that weapon. What about you, Kurt? Yeah, I am very much that this is a solid, solid upgrade. Um, between everything that's already been said, it there's no negative. There, there's no downside to taking it instead of a... Uh, autocannon 10 outside of just if you're buying the gun in part of a campaign uh, it it confuses me i'm i keep well, every time i see this list i wonder what were they thinking when they put that in there whereas all of the other weapons have some sort of trade-off some sort of negative but this one is just a solid like what do they know that we don't it's why it makes me suspicious it's just it's just too good how did it get lighter at the same time, it did everything else. Lighter and smaller, yeah. See, that almost looks to me like if they were trying to fix the original autocannon line. Yeah. And this was a, I don't want to say retcon, but we well, I, we understand we might have made autocannons not as effective or 
wanted to as nice looking on the tabletop for play. And the LBX 10 was their band-aid for that. Well, I wish they had carried that on with the rest of the autocannon line because they, they never did quite what I would say fix the, uh, the autocannons to make them truly, um, God, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, there's a very solid reason to touch, just to touch on it. Why the, uh, the clans no longer use the basic autocannon. Because it sucks? It's not even in their uh, inventory. That is correct. It is not. It was totally replaced by the LBX line. Yep, between the LBX and the, and the Ultra, that, that's the only choices you get for clan. But this is not about the clans right now. No. <laughs> so it, we'll get to Just that. a touch point as to why it got phased out. Yes. So this is a direct supposed to replace all autocannon tens and the autocannon yes. tens should not exist anymore once this was on the field. That is that is the way we played it in my campaigns. Yep. Yeah. I mean, if we go to tech in later eras, there's a certain niche use. I could use an autocannon 10 instead of this, but generally no. I will say that we forgot to mention, but the LB10X actually, when you fire the cluster rounds, has a minus one to hit penalty or advantage, I should say. Not just it's a minus one for most things, but uh, it also gains flak against uh, VTOLs and Arrow. And what does that do? It's a further minus two. So it'd be a cumulative minus three against those targets. And as a cluster, doesn't it do more damage to infantry as well? Uh, Yeah, the pellets will do more damage to infantry. I don't see any reason to ever use a regular AC-10. Not in... Not until you get to the Civil War era. Not in 3039. No. No, you got to get to the Fedcom Civil War for that precision autocannon ammo. So I think we can label this one as suspiciously awesome. (laughs) All right. So to the next, what I would consider almost brand new ballistic weapon, the Gauss rifle. Yeah, we can't consider this an upgrade or a downgrade because it didn't exist in, in the time... Uh, in the uh, the downfall of civilization for hundreds of years, and now it's just a, basically a new weapon. All right, so the Gauss rifle is seven fifteen twenty two range. It's one heat. It is fifteen damage, and the weapon itself is the explosive part. The ammunition is inert and does not explode, but the weapon will explode with a twenty point damage if it is destroyed. So where does the Gauss rifle fit in to all the new weapons? Uh, definitely fits into sniper mechs. Uh, BFG mode on, on any mechs that uh, that can handle it. I mean, its range is, is equivalent to to um, ERPPCs and missiles, but it does 15 points to one location. Yeah, this this always felt like what the ballistic line should be working towards rather than more damage at shorter range it should be doing good damage at medium to long range well it it was the introduction of the very first weapon that at at any meaningful range you know above nine hexes that could decapitate a mech with one shot so it's it's the first across the board one shot kill weapon that they had uh, developed for this game do you think that was their goal when they were designing it I do not, and and I think I think that they realized that later, but they never 
they never fixed it because of the the clan invasion anyway that had other weapons that that could also do that. Um, oh, you know what? Maybe, maybe that's true. Maybe they added that in there because the clans had the ERPPC that did fifteen points, and they just felt that Inner Sphere had to have something, something to balance that. So maybe it was intentional. I don't know. If you go through and look. The Gauss Rifle is the main competing weapon against clan technology. I think when I first found out about it, I was honestly surprised to find out that the Inner Sphere also had that that technology. And the only difference between the clan and the Inner Sphere one is the clan is one ton and one crit space lighter, I believe. The clan one is three tons lighter and uh, one crit space smaller. But it's still the same range and damage. Yep. It's not really a competing weapon, or I should say a competing advantage or disadvantage for either tech base. Yep, I consider it uh, pretty even, um, an equalizer, if you will. So would you say the Gauss Rifle is like the pinnacle of the lost tech? I would definitely say that. It's definitely in the top one or two. But what makes it just so good? Is it the range specifically? Is it the damage? Is it's, it... it's the damage at that range. Paired with heat. Um, pair it with an ERPPC. And, I mean, you got a good sniper mech if you have one of each of those. At 25 points of damage for 16 heat. It's not bad. Unfortunately, you only get eight shots per ton of ammunition. So if your mech does have a Gauss rifle on it, it is only going to be shooting eight to 16 times which for a regular game is all you need but at one heat just take out more heat sinks and add in more ammo yeah and it's a pretty popular uh replacement for an ac20 they're only a ton apart rather than going the short range inner sphere 3025 brawl you're going for the mid-range duke it out and try to get lucky with a headshot or critical but it does have a minimum range but it's only a two so it's not even that bad no. No, a two is workable. I mean, at worst, it's no worse than shooting at medium range. If you're at two, you should be firing your small pulse lasers anyway. So that wraps up our ballistics upgrade section. So moving on to the energy, I would say the most new energy weapons that we got would be the introduction of pulse technology, turning your lasers on and off really fast. So <laughs> that just reminds me of uh, going into my brother's room and flipping the light switch off and on a billion times in rapid succession. Were you hitting him at shorter ranges and minus two to hit? <laughs> <laughs> always, always. Yeah. So that's the big difference between regular pulse lasers and regular lasers is the minus two to hit and the shorter range for slightly improved damage. So. We'll start with the small pulse laser. I love the small pulse laser. Same here. So it's one ton, one crit. It is three damage, just like a regular small laser, but it does two heat this time. Same range. Yep, twice the heat, twice the weight. Uh, minus two in all rages. Not a bad trade-off. Um, I do think, I personally think that it's still a side grade because you can get two small lasers or one small pulse. So it's either two shots with two lasers at short range or one shot with one laser, but at a minus two to hit. So depending on depending on the other modifiers, the math may actually favor two shots with, with regular lasers instead of just a minus two, but circumstantial. So in, in my mind, it's a, it's a side grade. This is me coming from a combined arms viewpoint. 
it's to me it's a solid upgrade compared to the small laser. Total Warfare treats it the same as a machine gun against infantry. So you can get rid of your machine guns and the uh, the ammo bomb just for a, a little bit of heat. All right, all right. Now that that I did not think about uh, going up against infantry. That's definitely balancing it more towards the upgrade. One of my problems was that if we're not going against infantry and you have a targeted computer, you still get the minus one, but you lose the ability to target a specific location on a mech uh, if it if it's shut down or disabled. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, pul- pulse weapons get the minus one, but pulse weapons are not allowed to be to to target locations using a targeting computer. Balancing factor. Yep. So, okay, with with the anti-infantry in mind, I could be persuaded to say that it is, in fact, an upgrade. Yeah. Um, Even the other pulse lasers do increase damage to infantry compared to their regular variants, but eh, you're kind of overkilling. I I do not like the inner sphere, medium, and large pulse lasers at all. So let's go to the medium pulse laser. So the medium pulse laser is six damage for four heat, and that's two tons instead. That's range is two, four, six. Yep. So it does uh, one more point of damage for twenty-five or for thirty percent more heat, uh, and the ranges are all down basically one level. So if it was in uh, long range before, it's out of range now. If it was in medium range, it's now in long range. So. So since you're doing, like, if you need an 8 with a medium laser at medium range, and instead you use a medium pulse laser, you're now at long range, it's minus 2 for the pulse, but plus 2 for the range, you're back to an 8. You're still at an 8 at at, at 6 hexes. So you've just, there, there's no point, and you can't go out to 9 hexes, so you've lost a whole range bracket. It, it's a situational side grade to me something that has a tactical niche you gotta match it to the type of mech for me i like them on my some of my jumpy mechs uh some of the things like a spider that's already going to be jumping every turn that minus two is pretty nice to offset the jumping if you can always consistently get to one you know uh, one or two hexes away like always then sure the the damage is nice but other than that, I would rather have for for uh, for twice the weight. Let's just say I would always rather have two medium lasers than one medium pulse laser in any given situation. I, I do like it on some of those mechs that are close in brawlers that do want to get to that one or two hexes and do physical attacks. Um, it works well on those. It works pretty well on those mechs that. You know, it's a secondary weapon for a sniper, maybe. Something where you just need to have a defense against, you know, a fast flanker like a light mech to try to offset their speed bonus. Well, in that case, the the light the lighter mech is probably going to be enough hexes away that that it's gonna offset the pulse versus versus range bracket again. And once again, if I'm firing at something like that, I'd rather have two shots against him than than one at the same at the same to hit number because of the range. So you think pulses are actually a trap? Oh, absolutely, I do. I think it. It uh, you're like, oh wow, I've got a pulse laser. This is going to be awesome, and yet it will underperform in ninety nine percent of the uh, of the situations that you find yourself in. 
Yeah, I'll agree to that in general. You have to have a specific purpose for the mech, and you have to play it to that purpose. If you go outside of that niche, yeah, it's it's bad. I wouldn't give it a general upgrade. You would still call it a general upgrade? No, no, no. I would not call oh. it a general upgrade for most mechs. I, I gave mine, uh, I rated my medium pulse laser an F minus. If the price came down to taking heavier, larger weapons, and I don't have the heat really to throw on twice as many medium lasers, I will still take the same amount of pulse lasers, which is normally what happens on mechs. They just exchange the medium laser for the pulse laser. And they take the weight savings from either the heat sinks or something else and put that onto a much larger, heavier damage weapon. I don't consider medium pulse lasers a primary weapon for a mech. No. All right. So moving on from that, we'll supersize us and get to a large pulse laser. So that's nine damage for 10 heat with a range of three, seven, and 10 with seven tons. And that's the same tonnage as a regular PPC. And I'd almost rather have four regular medium lasers than one large pulse laser. I, I can't keep comparing everything to a medium laser because it's just so efficient. That is true. The medium the medium laser is the most tactic, technically efficient weapon in the arsenal, still. I, I could see it on a couple of mechs I like it on. Uh, talking about this new tech, the Axeman from uh, TRO3050, that's... I do like its large pulse, um, simply because most of the time I'm going to be jumping anyway. That I'd consider a main weapon for some mechs if they're a jumping style. Yeah, I was about to say, I would use this to replace it. I would replace PPCs with large pulse lasers, just if I'm not getting... If I don't feel like I have the chance to use the PPC's range advantage, I'd much rather just get in, have a large weapon that I can brawl with, and not have to worry about minimum range or heat to damage efficiency. It's kind of just a, I don't want to say, I still don't want to think the large pulse laser is a primary weapon. I think it's a, to have something that I can play at range with, like either LRMs or extended range something. And the large pulse laser is there to say it, is there to say, don't mess with me in my medium range bracket. I don't hate the large pulse laser as much as I do the medium pulse laser. I, I'd personally give it a C. But you know, a jump capable uh, medium mech that uh, that's a brawler type, you know, that that can move around in close when it needs to. I, I love something like the large pulse laser on that. You said the Hatchet Man too. I mean, if you're going in there to do melee damage anyway, yeah, a large pulse laser I think would be great. Still better than a medium pulse laser. We'll switch over from Pulse to regular flipping the lights on and just leaving it on. The extended range large laser. So compared to a regular large laser, this has the same damage of 8. Its heat is upgraded from 8 to 12, so 4 more. And its range has gone from 5, 10, 15 to 7, 14, 19 for the same tonnage. Is this a true upgrade or a side grade to the large laser? Side grade compared to a PPC is what I'd call it. Alternative to a PPC. Um, I'd say definitely side grade. Like you're, you're giving it uh, 50% more heat for 25% longer range. And that's the only difference is, is heat and range. Um, the damage is the same. 
the the tonnage is the same, the crits are the same. It, it's like, do you want a little bit more range for for a lot more heat? So definite definite side grade in my mind. Do you think the heat is too much of a drawback? Because this is one of the few weapons where we see a large difference in the heat to damage output. Well, when we get to it, double heat sinks. That's what I was just about to say. I was going to say with the uh, the introduction of double heat sinks, I don't think that that heat is as much of a problem for mech upgrades, not new design mechs, but for upgrades of existing models. Uh, I think that um, swapping out an ER large laser for a large laser is a uh, is a tactical choice. So not an upgrade, but definitely a, a viable choice. I mean, it does cost no tonnage difference. So Correct. it is very easy to take out the large laser, put in the ER large laser. One of my favorite lights, the Wolfhound, that's the Wolfhound 2. That was the upgrade. The main upgrade for it was exchanging its large. And for lights that had a large laser that are already real tight on weight, that's a great upgrade. Yep. I agree with that. I love the Wolfhound. Because that puts a lighter chassis that might not have the armor or speed to truly get in and brawl and yeah or you know i'm not cutting down armor on a light mech any more than i have to and you could be in short range with an er large and still be out of range of the enemy's medium pulse lasers yeah because it is it is exactly one hex out yep all right so That was the ER large laser. Now, what about the extended range PPC? So so this goes from, it keeps the same damage at 10, but you for five extra heat, you have, you go from 6, 12, 18 to 7, 14, 23 for the same tonnage. So that's five extra heat. You also get rid of the minimum range of the PPC. I was going to say that this is definitely an upgrade if you are using double heat sinks because of the no minimum range and the extra five, you know, the five more range, like those added together um, and double heat sinks. This is, this is what I would consider an upgrade straight up. So is it an upgrade because you can get closer with the PPC this time, or is it an upgrade? You have options. That's having options with a weapon is a big thing to be same tonnage, same crits, but longer range and no minimum, you know, I'd say it's worth the heat. Yeah, I'd call this a primary weapon on most mechs. Um, but I only give it an up. I will only call it an upgrade if you are using double heat sinks. One hundred percent. Yeah, because that's that is doing fifteen heat for only ten damage, and at that, I'd rather just have a regular PPC. It's hard for me to justify that range increase. The thirty fifty Panther, they kept it on single heat sinks, but gave it an ER PPC. Did they upgrade the number of heat sinks it had? No. Oh, oh. So yeah, it'll shut down if it just keeps firing it. Yeah, well, guys, it's only got its standard thirteen heat sinks, if I recall. So you could probably you can fire it several times before that happens if you're not moving. But if you're in a light mech, you better be moving. Yeah, the ERPPC is a hard weapon for me to swallow just due to the heat, but it is very nice to have the full bracket range of 23 which is the longest of all the laser weapons and only one short of the ac2 so it's almost can touch everything that can be touched and going back to what we've already said it's a it's a perfect match with a gauss rifle perfect partner 
you offset one weapon's high heat with the other one's low, and you get a pretty nice average for good damage. Um, oh, I believe that I had mentioned uh, targeting computers with the uh, pulse laser argument, and I realized that that is not a thing in in uh, the inner sphere yet. Correct. Correct. So that that uh, that nullifies some of those some of those arguments. Yeah, won't be until Civil War era. Okay, well, just re- so anybody who's like listening to the podcast and you're like targeting computer, man, where is that? No, it's not there. You won't find it. It doesn't exist, my friend. All right, so that wraps up our laser section. So, who would you say was the biggest winner of all that? Uh, of of the energy weapons, ER I, I'd large. say. I'd say really. I still think that's a side grade. I think the ERPPC has has is more of an upgrade than an ER large. But y'all both agree that the extended range weapons are better than the pulse weapons on a general scale. Certainly. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we'll go back to our pulse debate at a later later date. After blinding you with a strobe for <laughs> several minutes. Let's settle this on the battlefield. So we've covered our energy weapons and our ballistic weapons, but thankfully the missile weapons available did get a few upgrades. The most notable of them would probably be the Streak SRM-2. So, Denim, what does the Streak SRM do? Well, first of all, it is definitely an upgrade. It is only half a ton heavier, but if you hit, you hit with both missiles. So there's no more, you know, you have to roll an eight or higher on the cluster hit to to hit with both missiles. And your ammo basically lasts forever. Um, SRM-2, you get 50 shots per ton. And you're never going to go through 50 salvos in any given game, which is important for campaign style of play, which I do play a lot. So when your your ammo stores have to transfer over from one mission to another, it's nice to just know that your SRM-2 is not something you're going to have to worry about. It's either going to lock on and hit, or it doesn't lock on and your ammo is not wasted. Yep, I find it a significant upgrade. 100% efficiency for uh, damage conversion. Uh, if I am not mistaken, Kurt, you cannot put Inferno rounds in a streak SRM2, correct? Correct. That's I was going to consider a streak kind of a side grade. Just because of that? That's the only downside I can think of it. Uh, yeah, outside of weight differences, yeah, that's the only... Re- and if memory serves, older editions of Battletech actually let you put Infernos in streak twos. Well, the older editions of Battletech also only let you put Infernos in, or let you put Infernos only in SRM twos. So you didn't even have the option to put it into an SRM four or SRM six anyway. So that's why I believe that they uh, they allowed you to put them in SRM twos. So would you always exchange your SRM twos for a streak SRM two at the cost of not having it in Inferno rounds available? No, no, I wouldn't because I love Inferno rounds. I love them, but. Streak SRM2s have their uses, so it depends on on how I'm going to be playing that mech. It's also nice for those times where your other weapons have already kind of hit your heat cap. And you're kind of like, okay, I could do, I could maybe want to do another two to four points of damage in a couple locations, do a little crit seeking. And if you miss, it's no extra heat. It doesn't penalize you, so... It's nice in a couple of those cases where you're already riding the uh, the heat curve. Yep, where it would be worth spending the heat if you knew you were going to hit. Yep. 
So things like the Shadow Hawk, uh, the SRM2 on a Thunderbolt, I like it where they upgraded those to SRM2s. Some of those, like on the Javelin, where they replaced the SRM6 with two SRM2s, I- I'm a lot less sure on that, just because of the loss of Infernos. Yeah, if you've got if you got uh, like two to four SRM2 streak systems, I- I'd rather just have like a couple fours or a six instead, just just because I don't I don't think the math adds up when you're rolling the dice that many times for a hit or not. No, but the big advantage is that you're not having to waste time rolling on the cluster table for two missiles. Correct. Like, like if anything, it's almost a mental upgrade. Yeah, there you it's go. I like that one. Upgrade for your mech. It's a mental upgrade for not having to be sad about. Well, I only fifty percent of my missile volley hit. How big was your volley? Two missiles. <laughs> <laughs> and a seven still only gets you one missile. You have to roll an eight to get two missiles. Yeah, it's like what a forty-three percent odd or something. It's 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 not as high as I wanted to be. So, yeah. But if you have problems hitting missiles most of the time, our next upgrade might help out with that. So that would be the Narc missile beacon. I'm gonna test y'all's knowledge on the Narc. So, the Narc is what I would consider a bit shorter ranged in the comparison with all the weapons we've already gone over. It's only a three-six-nine. It's three tons for two crits, and you have to actually take NARC ammo. Yep, six per ton, if I can recall. The NARC is great when you can get a light, fast, cloaked mech in close enough to get a shot off, because uh, if you fire one and it hits, I mean, it's the same range as a a short-range missile. So if that mech has SRMs anyway, you might as well just fire a NARC. If it hits, it attaches a... um, magnetically attaches a homing beacon to the mech. Uh, and if it hits, it stays on there. It doesn't ever come off. You can't scrape it off. You can't narc it off. Um, and any other missile weapons that have narc equipped missiles, which is not like a game thing. You don't, you don't uh, say, okay, well, I've got to pick this from the table. They're a different size missile. They're not. You just say, I'm going to put in narc controlled SRM or LRMs. And if you're counting money, they're just twice as much money. They're not, they're not a special ammo type. They're the standard ammo type, just twice as much money. They put the good computer chips in those missiles. That's right. So um, they, the two-hit number doesn't change, but when you hit with a NARC, uh, with NARC ammo, you give a plus two modifier on the missile hit table. So if you roll you know, a 10 or 9, on the on the cluster table, suddenly it's an eleven, and the eleven tends to be all the missiles hit, eleven or twelve. So it's just way on average, way more missiles hit when you hit. The other fun thing is the it removes the need for spotters. Um, what what do you mean? Yeah, once it's tagged, uh, you if you would fall back out of line of sight, your uh, missile boats don't need uh, a spotter anymore. So I'm reading it right now. The indirect LRM fire. Once a NARC pod is attached to a target, all NARC equipped missiles may be fired indirectly at the target without a spotter. Yes, I was thinking you meant from like from like uh, from like Arrow Four missiles. Does it count for those? Because those have to be guided in with like tag, right? Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it counts as tag. Yeah, but that's what I thought you meant by by spotters. Oh, gotcha. No, th- so. 
the narc gives the option of you can either have plus two to the cluster hits table or you can fire without the plus two but not need a spotter i don't think that was originally one of the uh one of the i think that's an upgrade like a, a rule change um because like like I said, I'm used to playing from a long time ago, and I don't I don't recall that part being one of the rules. So that's cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. Just to add one thing, there is a way to remove it, but it's uh, destruction of the section where the missile hit will remove the narc. All right, that makes sense too. If it latches on your right torso, your right torso, and your right torso is later blown up, you no longer have a narc beacon attached. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. But it can't be scraped off, you know. You can't like, yeah, like well, I roll around on the ground or rub up against a tree. Yeah, that's not going to do anything. You have to go back to the mech bay and get your all your big strong yeah. mech friends to give you a, <laughs> give you a good rubbing in the shower to get that narc beacon off. But I like that it works with both SRMs and LRMs, as long as you're taking narc equipped ammo. That's, Correct. That's a big thing. Which is different than Streak or Artemis Four or Swarm or Thunder. It, it doesn't work with any of those. Yep. So if one guy in your lance has a narc, everybody gets loaded with narc ammo. But I would consider that an upgrade. It, I know it costs weight. Um, you know, it's a, it's another weapon that you have to hit. But if if you've got a lot of uh, a lance or a company of of missile boat heavy mechs, it's pretty essential. But on the other side of that coin is the Artemis IV weapon system, which is essentially half of the narc for half of the weight. So the Artemis IV just gives you the plus two to the cluster table, and that is for LRM or SRMs if you're using Artemis-equipped missiles, of course. But it does not do anything for spotters. So this is like, if you want the narc's benefit, but you don't want to have to run up and shoot a mech with it. So what do you think about Artemis 4? If, if I'm using just a lance or, or, you know, if I've got one missile boat, then I would get like, I would give my catapult Artemis just because I don't want to waste space um, on another mech doing, you know, for a weapon that does no direct damage just for, just for one mech. I'd rather have that on the one mech. Um, and only use narc if I have a force of missile boat mechs. So it, for me, it's a it's a matter of scale. It's uh you know your the return on your investment. Yeah, I would definitely say that an Artemis Four is a single mech weapon system, and a narc is a lance or company weapon system. That's what I would say. Yeah, and just putting it out there, Artemis is much more uh, prevalent amongst most of the uh, cannon designs. Narc is pretty rare. Well, Narc is, is Narc is on a couple. You're right. Um, I think the where Narc shines is um, if you're using some of the new Scout mechs, like some of my favorite. We'll, we'll touch on that later. And with a mix of older designs, and you're playing in a um, in a company, so you've got standard catapults, standard archers, um, and you just put one new mech into your lance, then you can make sure that new mech has Narc. And then you just swap out the ammo for all of your old mechs, and and you don't have to do a refit on all of them with Artemis. And then you know, that just pays off big time. Um, whereas for all the the mechs and the TROs that have Artemis built in, it's because 
they don't know if people are going to use those in teams. So they're just trying to show off, you know, if you've just got this mech out there, you know, this is why it's awesome because it has its own upgraded targeting system. Uh, so it's, you know, how, how you play the game, how you want to play the game, how you build your, your forces. Definitely. Definitely. So I think that's a good stopping point for today. We covered all of the new ballistic weapons, energy weapons, and missile weapons that you can upgrade your mechs with using Star League technologies found in the Helm Memory Core, and why Lost Tech is a nice, fun way to boost up your game. Next week, we'll be covering all the new defensive technologies and equipment like Ferro, Fibrous, XL engines, and everyone's favorite, the double heatsink. I'd like to thank everyone for listening today, and especially our patrons for supporting us. That lets us do this kind of content, and we will see you all next week.